Elderly residents left soiled and unfed after their caregivers fled the premises. 31 deaths in the space of a few weeks. A nursing home in Montreal has become the symbol of the terrible toll coronavirus is taking in Canada's long-term care homes. The horrifying situation revealed on the premises of a Montreal care home during the midst of the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic was so appalling it made international news. Alas, the conditions at the facility in question were also found to be replicated in numerous places across the nation. Healthcare authorities were alerted to the situation upon recognizing an unusual number of patients in these facilities succumbing to the COVID-19 virus. The article continues. Called to the rescue after most of the staff deserted the facilities, health authorities found residents dehydrated, unfed for days, and lying listless in bed, some covered in excrement. Others had fallen to the floor. Two deaths had gone unnoticed for several days. Is this the way seniors ought to live out their final days? Unless we die young, every one of us will age, and at some point, we will be in need of someone to help us in one way or another. Do we ever ask the question, who will be there for me? If we will rely on long-term care facilities, how would we want them to be? How did we get into a situation where the above-mentioned tragedies could happen in a modern, wealthy, Western nation? Is it an issue with the lack of funds, or is there a problem in the moral structure of our present society? Today we will tackle these questions, questions about a subject that sooner or later will look us square in the eye. I'll be right back. In 2013, the government of China approved an amendment to a law making it an offense for an adult child to neglect an elderly parent emotionally or physically. The tradition of respecting elders has been deeply ingrained in Chinese society for millennia. But long-held values have been under great pressure as the nation has rushed to modernize. The child, often the only child of a couple, frequently works many hours away from the parent's home. Yet there is now a legal obligation to respect and see to the needs of one's parents. Western nations seem to have laws and expectations that are moving in an opposite direction. Maclean's magazine, in an article written in June 2010 by Nancy MacDonald, explains that every province in Canada except Alberta has so-called filial duty laws requiring adult children to support a parent who may be dependent due to age, illness, or financial straits. They owe their existence to the English poor laws and date back to the Depression before the creation of the modern welfare state. These laws were put in place keeping with the philosophy of the time, expecting children to have a concern for and actively support their parents. However, with the advent of more socialist thinking policies of the welfare state, 
an erosion of personal responsibility to parents and even other members of the family ensued. The author continues, Since then, government has introduced the Canada Pension Plan and Old Age Security, recognizing its duty to look after the elderly. Resulting from this transfer of responsibility, the courts are now confronted with legal arguments to remove all legal expectation that a child should, in times of need, assist a parent emotionally or physically. Filial duty laws should be abolished, says Vancouver lawyer Lorne McLean. The BC Law Institute agrees. Three years ago, it began calling for the repeal of the law, calling it a stopgap response to the problem of poverty among the elderly. The recent pandemic has become a modern tragedy in much of the world. But in Canada, it has revealed a dark secret about how many of the elderly are living out their last days in facilities that are made to look pleasant outwardly, but all too frequently are places of neglect. While this is not true of all such homes, too many cases have been uncovered during the pandemic that demand both attention and action to correct a grievous wrong. Dr. Susan Bradley, Associate Professor at Carleton University in Ottawa, reacted to these discoveries in a recent article in which she asks how such appalling conditions could have developed in one of the richest nations on earth. How did we permit our governments to plan systems that are woefully underfunded and unable to provide safe, respectful and dignified care? As a society, we tend to devalue and denigrate any adult who is unable to look after themselves, develops disabilities, or cannot keep up with the onslaught of rapid social change. We don't like seeing older faces and bodies. We stop listening to older voices and minds. Our society has a bad attitude toward care work. We have told ourselves it's work that anyone can do. She correctly points out the error in that reasoning. It takes training and experience to learn how to develop relationships with people who are in pain, confused, or feeling acutely vulnerable, lonely, and scared of death. Bradley specifies that knowledge and skills are needed to deal with fragile people who are in pain, with aching joints, or suffering from dementia to patiently feed and enhance the social experience of a meal when someone is struggling with swallowing, to make all their lives happier. A civil society does not just warehouse its aged conveniently where they're out of sight, but respects and cares for them with dignity. After all, most of us will reach that point of need eventually. Historically in Western society, and particularly in the Anglo-Saxon world, social behavior and laws were framed by the influence of Christianity and the laws and directions contained within the biblical text. They were not always followed, but the major social expectations were influenced by biblical teaching. In fact, 100 years ago, or perhaps even 50 years ago, very few homes were found without a Bible and their residents identified themselves generally as being of the Christian faith. Those days saw a greater sense of duty to family and parents than exists currently, as sociologists will attest. And currently many are confused as to what Christianity really is.
The actual answer to the question, what is a true Christian, when answered from history and from the content of the book upon which the faith is based, will likely shock you. Today we would like to offer you, at no cost or obligation, a booklet that will answer this question as you've never heard it explained before. It may show you that the Christianity of the Bible is a very different religion than what you currently think it is. The answer to that question will also provide the solution to the current plight of the elderly. Here is how you can acquire your free copy. In 30 seconds, I'll be back to show you how ageism in our Western society seems to be moving things in an even darker direction. We're happy to send this booklet to you at no cost. Just call the number on your screen and tell the operator you would like to receive your copy of What is a True Christian? or order online at TWCanada.org. There are many different ways of life which claim the title Christianity. What is it that truly makes someone a Christian? Call or go online to get your free copy right now. Just in case you missed our contact information, I will give it again later in the program. Welcome back. Today we are looking at the problem of the growing isolation of many seniors and a change in attitude toward family responsibility and the aged. A recent court case in the Netherlands, which has some of Europe's most liberal euthanasia laws, demonstrates the decline in respect for the value of the lives of the elderly, particularly when they are frail or disabled. News articles in both the Netherlands and the United States covered the story of Dr. Mernu Arin, a Dutch physician who euthanized a 74-year-old patient who had indicated that she did not want to be killed. The doctor first drugged her patient's coffee and then, when the woman awakened and fought against being killed, had the family hold the patient down while administering the lethal injection. Apparently, the patient had indicated she wanted euthanasia after becoming incompetent, but wanted to be the one to say when. She never did. The patient affirmatively told Arin she did not want to be euthanized, not once, not twice, but three times. When the case became known, a sufficient level of concern was raised that charges were brought against the doctor. The judge, however, instead of finding the doctor at least guilty of unethical conduct, indicated to the contrary that the doctor had acted properly and lawfully. The modern liberal notions surrounding assisted death may sound merciful on the surface, but they have the immediate effect of devaluing human life, making seniors conveniently expendable. This is all the more serious when one considers that we in the West have a rapidly aging population, yet we celebrate youth and deny the reality and dignity of aging. And as a consequence of the social attack on the concept of the nuclear and extended family structures and the pressure on both parents to disperse into the workplace, the family home is often no longer a viable place of care for aged family members. Dr. Breedley, quoted earlier, explains that those who fund and sometimes even those who operate long-term care facilities perhaps do not always value the need for dignity for taking into account the emotions of the persons in their care enough to ensure 
that not only sufficient staff are on duty to meet the needs of residents, but that the workers are well trained and recompensed for the challenging work they're doing. In many cases, the residents, if apart from the support of the family, can feel abandoned and need to be comforted and encouraged. Yet, there is an increasing tendency to view the old as a burden on society, diverting scarce dollars away from the wants of the young. That such thinking is already advancing was confirmed in a CBC January 2017 report on studies done at the University of Calgary that had calculated an annual monetary saving to the Canadian medical system of up to $136.8 million if medically assisted suicide were more readily available. In a resource-limited healthcare system, any time we roll out a large intervention, there has to be a certain amount of planning and preparation and cost has to be a part of that discussion. Some would say this comment may be a bit short on empathy. The dignity of the human being, their desires, feelings and needs are reduced to a balance sheet? It seems eerily similar to stories of future dystopian societies reflected in popular novels and films, such as 1984, Brave New World, or Logan's Run, the latter where people were terminated at an age before their usefulness to society could start to go into decline and they became a burden on the state. The shift in thinking and attitude about the sanctity of life, which has most definitely occurred, developed as our culture morphed from one loosely guided by Christian biblical values to that of a secular society, where the tradition of nuclear and extended family which form the foundation of social order is attacked, an order in which responsibility for caring for one another was an unwritten expectation. The effects of this transformation are becoming apparent and include a mushrooming cost of elder care when the families of the aged are no longer contributing or able to contribute to this support. There was in fact wisdom, comfort and stability in the social order that drew its design from the Christian biblical model. Today, the vast majority in Canada are unfamiliar with biblical teachings, yet many voices condemn them without the knowledge of what they actually entail. As mentioned previously, even many churchgoers today are also unfamiliar with the tenets of biblical Christianity. I think you'll be startled by what you read in our free offer this week as it will effectively demonstrate from the text of the Bible the actual principles of true Christianity. I'll be back to explain one of these principles that alone would change the world. To request your free copy, call the number displayed on the screen and ask for What is a True Christian? You can also order online at TWCanada.org. Have you ever asked why are there so many different churches? Is the Bible really still relevant? Or where is the world headed? We answer these questions and more in Tomorrow's World magazine. Call us right now or visit us online to get your free copy of What is a True Christian? and free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine. I hope you enjoy the rest of the program. Today we have been examining a troubling trend in our social order, that being the increasing numbers of seniors who are not properly cared for in their declining years.
traditional family structure is being shattered by a torrent of extreme social liberalism, rejecting centuries of cultural understanding. Our laws, long rooted in biblical principle, are being challenged and changed, leaving a much less stable social order. There is great wisdom in the biblical principles guiding family structure. These laws included direction that would ensure no one, young or old, would be neglected, and that the aged would be treated with respect and love. You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man, and fear your God. I am the Lord. Many of our human relationships can be guided by what is called the Fifth Commandment. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. This word honor means a great deal more than simple obedience. It implies demonstrating a high degree of respect for worth or rank. It denotes a high feeling of esteem or gratitude. Why should we honor our parents? Many of us have had wonderful parents, while others may have had parents that one may consider not worthy of honor. Yet the Bible makes this an unconditional statement. The answer reveals the depth of this commandment and its real purpose. If people understood the powerful example of respecting and honoring their parents, perhaps it would not be so rare to see this commandment obeyed. That original commandment to honor father and mother applies to all of us throughout our lives. Quite simply, one would never do anything to bring dishonor on their parents or their name. A passage in the book of Proverbs illustrates the value of a good name. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. The desire on the part of a child to build up their family's good name is a great motivator to acting in an honorable fashion and thus observing the fifth commandment. Obedience to this law, which can start at any time in one's life, will result in building habits and character which tend to a better and longer life. Making a good name for oneself as an honorable, hardworking person reflects on one's parents, whether they're alive or dead, and thus honors them. What if our parents have not always acted in a way that is deserving of honor? What if they, in fact, made our childhood miserable? Is there ever a situation or a time when we are absolved from honoring them? We must always treat our parents respectfully in a polite manner, even though we may have differences of opinion or have been treated badly. Indeed, such an approach may be a powerful witness to older parents who are living very much contrary to God's law. Parents of great age do long for the affection of their children. Always think and act on this opportunity to honor them and try and bring some pleasure into their lives. It is in their latter years that they need you the most they may well regret anything wrong they've done and respect you all the more for showing love. Remember that this law of God comes with a promise of longer life. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. We now see a curse on our land in part because the elderly are often abused or neglected. 
Thousands of elderly parents are reduced to living on the poverty line with children who perhaps could but are unwilling to provide assistance for them. The Healthcare of Ontario Pension Plan recently released a report entitled Seniors in Poverty, Canada's Next Crisis. It contained this warning to the provincial and federal governments. Without action to address gaps in the retirement income system and strengthen access to pensions, Canada faces a bleak future with more seniors living in poverty and unable to climb out. Jesus gave a forceful example of his expectations regarding the fifth commandment concerning this financial aspect. In the Judea of his day, it was the custom of some at the behest of temple rulers to excuse themselves from supporting aged parents by declaring some of their funds Corban, that is, dedicated to the service of the temple. It was a way of gaining recognition. Note Jesus' response. And he said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me as Corban, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Christ condemned this as hypocrisy, clearly showing that part of obedience to God is honoring parents and caring for those who have needs if one is in a position to do so. Even Paul reiterated this requirement of the law. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Unfortunately, such instruction is largely scorned today by a very self-centered society. There is much talk about being kind, tolerant, loving, etc., but a more violent, disrespectful, or vulgar age is hard to recall. We live in a culture where the violation of the fifth commandment is almost fashionable. Our nation is suffering from the negative societal effects that automatically result from turning one's back on one of the great laws of God. In summary, the fifth commandment is a part of God's law and an application of wisdom. It can bring joy to our earthly parents, but is also pleasing to the giver of this law. God's laws work because he actively backs them up. They will produce only good results. Just this one command can make a great difference in a lot of lives. A child taught this principle from youth develops a habit of respect, which benefits both the old and the young. As a longtime minister and presenter on Tomorrow's World, Mr. Richard Ames has said so often, claim God's promises. Observe this law with promise and blessings will eventually accrue to you and those around you. A society which permits the elderly to be abandoned, abused, neglected, or euthanized is in violation of God's law. COVID-19 has shone a spotlight on a problem resulting from a society which has departed from the ways of the God who created mankind. The problems, however, are reversible and would dissipate if humanity chose to live by the true laws of happiness and life. 
please take a moment to call, email, or write for this free special offer, What is a True Christian?, which can be yours for the asking without any cost or obligation. The late Dr. Roderick Meredith answers this question from the Bible in a way you have not heard before. It will reveal the clear and practical reality of what truly brings lasting happiness and fulfillment. Stay tuned as we answer your questions from the Bible and Tomorrow's World Answers, and join us next week as Gerald Weston, Michael Haykoop, and I bring you more about what is behind the stories of today and the good news of Tomorrow's World. To learn more, visit www.twcanada.org. You can also request today's offer by calling us at 1-866-784-7895 or by writing to Tomorrow's World, PO Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M 0P6. Welcome to Tomorrow's World Answers, where we answer your questions straight from the Bible. There are a few things as fundamental to the Bible as the Ten Commandments. Yet there are major denominations teaching different lists of these essential laws. This begs the question, what is the Tenth Commandment? Two statements which should be made up front are that the Bible does not include a numbered list stating commandment number one is this, commandment number two is that, and so on. And it should be noted that the discrepancy between the two prominent lists only directly impacts a few of the commandments. Of course, this is not to say it's a small issue, as Christ taught in Matthew 5.19 that even the most minor of God's laws is of extreme importance. This is an essential point because if one incorrectly divides one commandment into two and still arrives at ten, then another commandment must effectively be removed. Examining some lists of the Ten Commandments, this is exactly what happens with the command forbidding the use of graven images in worship not appearing. Let's turn to Deuteronomy to see how one group separates the Ninth and Tenth Commandments. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Some claim that this is the Ninth Commandment and that the text which follows describes the Tenth. And you shall not desire your neighbor's house his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Most organizations include all of these restrictions on coveting as part of the Tenth Commandment. The twentieth chapter of Exodus gives the story of God thundering the commandments from Mount Sinai. If this recording of the Ten Commandments is divided in the same manner, problems start to arise. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Let's notice right away that the listing in Exodus mentions coveting the neighbor's house first and his wife second. Does this mean that the Ninth and Tenth Commandments were given out of order in one of the listings? You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, not anything that is your neighbor's. We run into an additional problem when we read the rest of the verse. Coveting your neighbor's servants and livestock was combined with coveting your neighbor's house in Deuteronomy's listing, but with coveting your neighbor's wife in Exodus. To have two separate commandments covering different aspects of coveting does not fit with scriptures. The simplest and most logical explanation is that the entirety of coveting is included in the Tenth Commandment. Paul confirms this while clarifying his position on the importance of the Ten Commandments in Romans 7. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. To submit a question for the show, 
email us at twanswers at tomorrowsworld.org. Be sure to watch us online at twcanada.org or by searching Tomorrow's World Answers on YouTube. With this offer, you will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, revealing God's principles for living a successful life while providing insight into current and future events. You can watch this and many more Tomorrow's World telecasts at our website or by subscribing to Tomorrow's World on YouTube. Visit us online or call 1-866-784-7895. This program is a production of The Living Church of God.